listening to the Broadcast Basement On Demand Radio Network. It's the podcast in the Broadcast Basement. Broadcastbasement.com. Coming to you from the Windy City Slam Studios in the southwest suburbs of Chicago, this is Windy City Slam Podcast. Welcome on in everyone, Mike Pankow here, the founder and editor of WindyCitySlam.com and the host of Windy City Slam Podcast. And welcome on in to episode number 109 we have a big show for you here today, and we're going to have a special guest as well. Longtime Chicago area independent wrestling veteran, the underwear model, Eric Priest, joins us for a lively conversation later on in the program. But before we talk to Eric, we're going to break down AEW Revolution. We're also going to check out Second Wrestling's Flood Zone this past weekend up in Northbrook plus some other local independent news coming up on Windy City Slam Podcast. Stay tuned. Wrestling fans often talk about psychology in the squared circle, but what about your individual psychology and mental health? The counselors at True Heights Treatment offer in-person or virtual appointments. To learn more, go to www.trueheightstx. Dot com, or give them a call at 708-248-7039. Hey, it's the Cryonic Redneck Coldstone, Tim Boston, CS underscore Tim Boston on social media. And when I'm not scooping, when I'm not wrestling, I'm listening to Windy City Slam. Give me a, well, yeah. Well, yeah. All right. Welcome back to Windy City Slam podcast. And this past weekend, we have AEW Revolution in Orlando. Let's break down some of the matches. First of all, we had Eddie Kingston defeating Chris Jericho via a submission during the opening match of the main card. Now, it's a little bit surprising to me to see Kingston go over, but it's also kind of cool because you're getting, I mean, a little bit of a younger guy going over the veteran Chris Jericho. Jericho actually really has been giving over the last several years of his career, and it was a hell of a hard-hitting, brutal match. Kingston wins, and Jericho, though, kind of upset with the loss. We'll see where he goes from here, but Eddie Kingston with a huge feather in his cap, defeating a former multi-time world champion and the first-ever AEW world champion. The AEW Tag Team Championship match the three-way dance went the way of Jurassic Express, Jungle Boy, and Luchasaurus. They defeat Red Dragon, Bobby Fish, and Kyle O'Reilly, and the Young Bucks when Jungle Boy pinned Matt Jackson. And there's some tension going on with Red Dragon and the Young Bucks. You know, they have um, similar friends and allies, and they're trying to get along, and Red Dragon is new to AEW, and there's definitely some friction going on there. I have a feeling we're going to see even more friction in the coming weeks from those two teams. And Jurassic Express goes on as the champions. Who would have thought that a year or two ago that 
with all the great tag teams in AEW, like FTR and the Bucks and Santana and Ortiz and the Lucha Bros, that these guys would be your champions for a long time. I mean, don't take anything away from them. They're very impressive. I like their team. But cool thing that they're still reigning champions. Face of the Revolution ladder match. And it was a big night for this guy. And this is a guy I got to know a little bit over his time at Warrior Wrestling over the last few years. Wardlow picks up the win in the six-man match. He defeats Keith Lee, Powerhouse Hobbs, Ricky Starks, or Stalks, as Taz would say, Orange Cassidy, and Christian Cage. So now Wardlow gets an upcoming championship match for the TNT title. So we'll probably be seeing that within the next week or so. Moving on to the TBS championship, Jade Cargill improved to 29-0 by defeating Ty Conti, and she hit Jaded to get the win there. And a classic, bloody, brutal dog collar match. CM Punk defeats MJF. And get this, Wardlow. There's that name again. Wardlow helps out CM Punk. He comes down to the ring after MJF specifically called for him. And Punk gets the dynamite diamond ring from Wardlow, clocks MJF, gets the three count, gets a measure of revenge from that match in Chicago from a few weeks ago where MJF won. So they're even at one and one. We'll see if they have a third match down the line. And now there's definitely some serious friction going on between Wardlow and MJF. AEW Women's Champion Dr. Britt Baker retained the title over Thunder Rosa after loads of outside interference from both Rubble and Jamie Hayter and multiple curb stops. So Thunder Rosa comes up short, but there's a match with Thunder Rosa coming up. And if she wins that this week, she'll again be the number one contender for that AEW championship. And I have a feeling the next time she gets a shot at Dr. Baker, that Thunder Rosa will be your new AEW women's champion. Book it. That's a, not a prediction. That's a spoiler from me. John Moxley defeats Brian Danielson with a surprise pin after a great strong style fight. And this was a really good match. Some blood going on there. After the match, they brawled. And then William Regal, the 30-year veteran of professional wrestling from WCW, WWE, and former longtime NXT general manager, comes out to break up the fight, actually slaps both Moxley and Danielson, and finally gets them to kind of shake hands and show a sign of respect afterward. But it was a really, really good match. I think they earned each other's respect. Moxley comes out on top. Then we had the Tornado Tag Team match with Sammy Guevara, Sting, and Darby Allen defeating the trio of Andrade El Idolo, Matt Hardy, and Isaiah Cassidy. When Darby Allen pinned Matt Hardy after hitting a coffin drop, which almost entirely missed Matt, but the back of Darby's head did hit the abdomen of Matt Hardy. And at one point, I'm pretty sure Matt Hardy actually had an abdominal injury back in his WWE days. So I guess it kind of passes as a finish, but it was almost a total botch. But really crazy fight. Lots of interference from AHFO. But the faces win Guevara, Sting, and Allen. 
and in your main event, the AEW Championship, Hangman Adam Page defeats Adam Cole, and Page hits the boom, one of Cole's signature moves, and then his own signature, the buckshot lariat, to gain the three count. And of course, the theme of the night, there was outside interference in this one as well, as Adam Cole's buddies, formerly of the Undisputed Era, Red Dragon came out and tried to change the fortunes for Adam Cole, but they did not get the job done. AEW's Revolution was a solid show. I mean, I'd probably give it about a 9 out of 10. Really, really strong show. A little too much outside interference for my liking, but for entertainment value, you can't beat it. WWE News, this past Saturday night, Roman Reigns attacks Brock Lesnar after Brock retained his WWE Championship against Fitz McMahon's boy, Austin Theory, at Madison Square Garden. Now, the show was not even televised. It was just your regular old Madison Square Garden house show, where if you remember back in 1994, which I believe was the last time the WWE Championship changed at a house show when Diesel beat Bob Backlund. But no title change here, and we're still on a collision course for title versus title at WrestleMania Sunday, Roman Reigns and Brock Lesnar. All right, heading into local independent wrestling. This past Thursday night, we had Freelance Wrestling's Flawless Victory. This was a really, really unique show. It's at the Emporium Arcade Bar in Logan Square in Chicago. Now, it's an arcade bar, lots of old video games, uh, newer video games, pinball machines. They even had like a shoot the hoop type of thing. And it was a really crazy atmosphere. Fans on top of each other. It's like a little, almost like a little concert hall. It's kind of like that gritty feel with that freelance is so well known for. It was a really fun show. I checked it out on IWTV and you can as well. It's available now. And if you subscribe to IWTV for about 10 bucks a month, you get a lot of great content from freelance, freelance underground, Zelda pro, Black Label Pro, and lots of independent wrestling from across the country. Matches from that show. Six-person scramble match. The freelance staple. Saban Gage pulls out the big victory. Outlasting Angel Escalera, Acid Jazz, Isaiah Velasquez, Aaron Payne, and Sean Galway. Gage ends up pinning Galway following a double stomp. Team Alfonso, Alfonso Gonzalez, is on a roll. He defeats Blair Onyx by submission with a Boston Crab. And Matt Nix, the Purple Poppy, the Marvelous One, defeats GPA after a Purple Rainmaker. And GPA's freelance slump continues. The Bang Bros, Davey Bang and August Matthews, and young Xavier Sky defeat Project Monix and Pick and Pop. Darius Latrell and Coda Hernandez when Sky gets the pin on Monix. After Monix tried to hit Sky with the original Freelance Underground Championship belt, he swung and missed. Sky counters with a brain buster. Monix's noggin lands on the title belt, and that backfires, and Sky gets the pin. Laney Locke defeats Guerrera de Blesenas, one of the young students from the Freelance Academy. And in the main event, this was a real banger. I'm telling you, Storm Grayson is on an absolute roll right now. He defeats Kylie Ray after Grayson counters a charity case into a pinfall. And speaking of Storm Grayson, 
He recently appeared on WWE Main Event in a match against Veer Mahan, and you can check that out on Hulu right now. Also, this past weekend, we had NLS is for Everyone. That was last Saturday night, March the 5th, at the Berwyn Eagles Club. Now, this was the show ran by the Next Level Soldiers, Saban Gage, Coda Holiday, and Jax Johnson. And from all reports, it was a terrific show, a well-run show. Mateo Valentine also had a big hand in producing a lot of stuff. Great time had by all. I'm not going to mention any results of the matches as of yet because that show itself will be on IWTV very, very soon, probably within the next couple of weeks or so. So that entire card, I believe, of 12 matches will be available. If you subscribe to IWTV, you'll be able to see NLSs for everyone. Moving on to POW Entertainment, Winter Warfare was last Saturday night, March the 5th, at Rumpoles in Twin Lakes, Wisconsin. And here's the rundown. It was a crazy night as well. Bad Ombre Cartel defeats BMI and Nikki Vendetta and Axel Bryo to earn a future POW Tag Team Championship match. Kevin O'Reilly of IPA gets his revenge by defeating SCW's Marco Anthony. POW Tag Team Championships. Revolution, Jimmy Blaze and Eric Freedom retain the titles by defeating Tommy McCobb and Kazile in an Anything Goes match. Then, in another rematch from last weekend's show in Bridgeview, Meathooks O'Bannon defeats B.O.W. Then we had Joey Pitbull Chichi and Pauly Tomazelli going to a double disqualification, and both wrestlers have been suspended for hitting the referee and also Commissioner Hedford. So that really got crazy there between the two veterans, and we're going to see them take a little time off from Paul Entertainment, I guess. And in the main event, this is where it really got crazy. SCW's Max Holiday and James Creed come into enemy territory and they defeat Noise, Booze, and Tattoos. That's Scott Spade and Rough Crossing. They win the match. The referee was knocked out. Hunter Payne from SCW involved himself, throwing a chair at Scott Spade. Max Holiday then hit a finish. And as SCW was celebrating... POW Entertainment promoter Jimmy Blaze came out and tried to fight a bunch of SCW guys until he got just overwhelmed by them and additional SCW wrestlers. Eric Freedom and others then came out and brawled SCW out of the door. So they got SCW out, but not before SCW wins the main event match. As Blaze was getting up, Kazile comes out and attacks. Jimmy Blaze and Tiny actually came out to help Jimmy Blaze. I mean, they're not allies by any means, but they're both on the POW side. So we, it came across enemy lines within POW to help each other. And then Jimmy Blaze takes the mic, very upset, pissed off, demands a rematch one-on-one with Kazile. And this is going to be a first blood match at POW's next show, March the 26th at T-Wood in Wooddale. And finally, from last weekend, Second Wrestling's Flood Zone. Now, this is a show I personally covered for Windy City Slam. It was at the Bernard Weinger JCC in Northbrook. I got to meet WWE Hall of Famer, the Birdman Coco Beware, 
really cool dude. Awesome guy. A, a dream come true because I was a huge Coco B. Wearmark growing up. Now let's get to the match results themselves. Second wrestling tournament semifinals. Eric Cannon defeats Dak Draper. And Billy Starks knocks off Riley Jackson. Then in a three-way match, we had Atomic Super Thunder Frog defeating Kid Bandit and Dream Boy 001. After that match, Darren Corbin ran out, gave Atomic Super Thunder Frog a ginger snap, and complained that he should have been in the championship tournament. We'll see a little bit more from Darren Corbin a little later in the show. Then Darren Corbin challenges anybody in the locker room to come out and wrestle him. Cold Stone Tim Boston, who you heard earlier on the show with the little promo, really cool Stone Cold Steve Austin gimmick imitation. He's even better than Shark Boy, in my opinion. But Darren Corbin, with the ginger snap, knocks him off, gets the victory. And Blair Onyx continues her upward ascension. She defeats Lanny Luck again, this time via submission with the spider lock. So a few weeks ago, Blair beat Laney in freelance, and now she holds a victory over Laney in second wrestling. Then in the penultimate match, tag team action, marvelous Matt Nix, the purple poppy himself, and former WWE superstar, and last week's guest on Windy City Slam podcast, Zach Gowan, they defeat Pick and Pop, Darius Luttrell, and Coda Hernandez, when Gowan hits the moonsault, and pins Coda Hernandez. And again, if you want to check out the Zach Gowan episode, check out the archives on WindyCitySlam.com or wherever you get your podcasts. And in the main event, the second wrestling championship final, Billy Starks defeats Eric Cannon to win the title. And as Rabbi Jeremy Fine, the promoter of second wrestling, presented Starks with the title, Darren Corbin came from the back and gave Fine a ginger snap. So making a huge statement on who Billy Starks' first challenger might be, Darren Corbin is probably at the head of the line after that maneuver. But then again, Rabbi Fine might not take too kindly to getting ginger snapped. Real quick, let's head on to upcoming events. This coming weekend, Warrior Wrestling 20 at the McGowan Hall in Indianapolis. Warrior making their debut in Naptown. Saturday night, March the 12th. The show will be on Fight TV if you can't make the drive out. 6 p.m. Central Time for that. There will also be the customary Fan Fest starting two hours before bell time. Warrior Wrestling Women's Champion Thunder Rosa defends against Sky Blue. Warrior Wrestling Lucha Champion Sam Adonis takes on Psycho Clown. Lance Archer faces Jonah, the former Bronson Reed from NXT. And Speedball Mike Bailey returns to the black and gold brand as he takes on Warrior Medallion Holder Casey Navarro. Then Killer Cross makes his first Warrior appearance in nearly three years. He takes on Jake Something. Athena returns to Warrior. She takes on the debuting AQA. And in a match that could really steal the show, and it's just been updated to a triple threat tag team match. We have the duo of Trey Miguel and Myron Reed taking on 
the team of Arez and Dante Leon, who's replacing Aramis, and the third team, top flight, Dante Martin, who's been lighting it up in warrior wrestling and singles competition, and his brother, Darius Martin, will be returning from injury for his first warrior show in quite a while. So that match should be really, really thrilling. And finally, former warrior champion Brian Pillman Jr. takes on the last real man, Silas Young. And a couple of other shows to watch out for this weekend. We have Rocket Pro Wrestling Shamrock Showdown, Saturday, March the 12th at St. Joseph's Park in Joliet. Main event will be Marche Rocket defending the Rocket Pro Championship against the Chicago Bear Hug, Steve Michaels. Plus, Saturday night, Wrestle League Anniversary X will be taking place at Chi-Town Football in Chicago. And that's a promotion being run by Shogun Chris Logan. Check them out. They have some really good stuff there. And I believe there's also a PS5 raffle. So that might actually inspire you to head on out to Chi-Town Football. Plus, Sunday, March the 13th, Golly Lucha Libre, number 511, they return to Walter Christian Academy in Melrose Park. Some awesome Lucha Libre action there. All right. Coming up in mere moments, for the very first time here on Windy City Slam Podcast, the underwear model, Eric Priest. Stay tuned. Want to get more customers for your business? Promoters, do you want more exposure for your upcoming event? Windy City Slam Podcast can be your tag team partner. Advertise with Windy City Slam and reach wrestling fans in the Chicagoland area and in the Midwest. Message us on Facebook, Instagram, or Twitter, or email Mike Pankow at WindyCitySlam.com. That's M-I-K-E-P-A-N-K-O-W at WindyCitySlam.com. All right, back here on Windy City Slam podcast. Very excited to have on for the very first time. He's a two-decade veteran of the wrestling business with long stints in several local promotions. He's the epitome of masculinity, the underwear model, Eric Priest. Eric, how you doing? I'm doing great, man. I'm doing great. Thanks for having me, Mike. Absolutely. Yeah, it's uh, I sent out a feeler for guests a couple months ago and, and people dropped a whole bunch of names and someone threw out Eric Priest. I'm like, oh, yeah, cool. I'd love to have him on. So I figured to reach out and uh, we'll get you on the show. Now, so now here you are. Yep, that's, that's real nice. I appreciate that. Absolutely. Uh, it's been a minute since you wrestled. You, you were just telling me before we went on the air that you had a couple of shows with Rockford Damage. But unfortunately, some things went down and uh, you won't be wrestling anymore, more than likely. So tell me what yeah. happened. There. Well, I, I uh, sustained uh, an injury. Um, it, it's, it's not one that happened at a particular moment. Um, I have some nerve, nerve damage in my back and it's causing what's called uh, drop foot syndrome. So I've lost uh, mobility in my left foot. Uh, I'm trying to get some mobility back, but uh, that's it's. Um, usually not likely to come back it's usually likely to get worse so at this point in my career everything that i've done um i've been you know the, the last few years i've been wrestling for fun it's my social time i enjoy doing it i have a son now who uh during my main run when i was you know all over the country and, and going to europe and things like that he wasn't around 
So it was nice to have my son there to kind of cheer me out and see his dad do his thing. So I was doing that as my social time. But uh, um, when it comes down to, you know, an injury like that, it's not worth it anymore. So I had to, unfortunately, had to hang up the boots. I always wanted to go out the way I always wanted to plan my way out. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. No one wants to be forced out. Yep. However, you know, that wasn't the cards for me this time. So. Yeah, on your own terms, so to speak. Exactly, yeah. And I, the thing is, I did it once. Actually, I kind of technically did it twice. When I first retired back in 2007, I literally wrote the storyline. And I knew that I was leaving. The match was announced as Eric Priest's last match. You know what I mean? Um, and I was done with wrestling for seven years. Uh, and then, of course, I got, after seven years, I, I, I was coaxed back in. Uh, and I was working for um, Underground, uh, for a while and then I uh, went over to Kaiju um, and actually the same thing there my last match with Kaiju which I thought was gonna be my last match it, it was everything I wanted it to be I went out the way I wanted to go out it was a good feud ended with a really good match that I'm proud of um, but then I got sucked back in so what can I say yeah wrestling has a certain way of doing that too and uh, now this last little run that you had until recently uh, you're doing it for your uh, son and it kind of reminds me of why Goldberg kind of came back to WWE those last few years. So his son could actually kind of see him wrestle as well. Oh, absolutely. The pride in his face. And, and it was, it was very funny because when I started wrestling at underground, that's when I first came back, uh, you know, he came up to me and he was like, dad, are you going to be a wrestler? And I was like, dude, I train the guys that train the guys that are on this show. <laughs> I'm like, I think I'm the grandpa priest in most locker rooms because I'm, I'm, I'm third generation, basically. Uh, you know, their trainers were trained by me. So it's just kind of funny. Um, uh, but it, it was a blast. And he used to love hanging around with the boys in the locker room. Hey, Dad, can I take my shirt off like the wrestlers? Yeah, buddy, you can. He'd strip his shirt off and go strutting around, you know. And, um, you know, and these are my friends, you know. Uh, so it, it was a good time. I, I don't uh, regret any of my runs or my comebacks. You know, they all served a purpose and they were all a, a time of my life. So, but yeah, this last run was, was definitely more for social and, and, and for my son. Now, getting started in the business, I know you dabbled a little bit with the Lunatic Wrestling Federation, and then you uh, went on to Steel Domain. So kind of walk me through how you, the very beginning of Eric Priest's career. Well, um, I always wanted to be a wrestler. I always told people I was going to be a wrestler, and everyone shook their head, okay, okay, you can be a wrestler, you know, because it's not something that everybody does. Um, And especially back then, you know, we're talking about late 90s, there weren't a lot of wrestling schools around. And uh, I went to an LWF show and I don't know if anybody, well, I don't know if any of those, the wrestlers are going to see this, but I watched the show and thought, well, Jesus Christ, if these guys can do it, so can I. There was only about one or two guys on there that seemed remotely athletic. Now they were entertaining. They drew a huge crowd and that served its purpose. You know what I mean? But as far as being athletes or guys with builds, they weren't there. And I already had the body, um, you know, uh, I've always worked out my entire life. So I was already physically fit. And um, I actually went to their training camp for uh, some time. That's where I met like CM Punk and uh, um, uh, Brad Bradley or Brad Thomas. Um, Jay Bradley. And a few yep. other guys. Yeah. Uh, then the split happened. I had a couple matches with them. I was, you know, greener than green. I didn't know anything. I wasn't even properly trained because the LWF, I'm sorry, they weren't properly trained, at least not at the time. Um so the split happened. Um, I decided uh, I saw a commercial for the Steel Domain on Monday Night Raw, I think it was, or something like that. So I called them up, and uh, they they uh, op- 
they welcome me with open arms. You know, uh, one thing about wrestling and training in wrestling when you run a school, because I had a school for a number of years. Most people that want to be trained to be wrestlers are wrestling fans. And no offense, most wrestling fans aren't athletes. So to have a 6'2 guy come in with abs, they were like, yep, okay, we want to use you. You know what I mean? Um, so I went there and I mean, I really, that's where I cut my teeth. My first real gig was up in uh, St. Paul, Minnesota. We'd go up there monthly. All of us would travel up there in a big cargo van and, uh, we'd uh, take TV up there. We had steel domain championship wrestling up there. And, uh, uh we did TV shows, you know, every, every month and, and they cut those shows up into weekly shows for us. So it was a really good learning experience for me right off the bat, especially traveling too. So I learned a lot that way. Yeah, it's crazy. Um, Ace Steel and Danny Dominion were huge parts of that uh, Steel domain at that point. And now Ace oh, yeah. Steel is back with AAW. He just was recently let go by WWE where he was a coach down at the Performance Center. And now he's back in the ring. So kind of crazy how things come full circle. Well, actually, I didn't know that. I did, I did hear that he got released. Um, I, I don't keep in touch with a lot of the guys anymore. We've kind of gone our own separate ways, you know. Um, every once in a while, I'll, I'll shoot them a message or they'll shoot me a message. Uh, you know, when you train with these guys as long as I didn't travel with them, there is a, a bond there. Um, but everybody has their own lives. So that's awesome that he's back, though. It's really, the funny thing is he never worked AEW when he was local here. <laughs> yeah. No, that's not true. I wrestled him once there. I did wrestle him yeah. once there. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And that's all coming back now, I guess. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Everything comes full circle, so. Yeah, you've um, you actually had a chance to wrestle a little bit for AAW back when they were stationed at the Berwyn Eagles Club in some of their early days. And actually, they're coming up on their 18th anniversary of uh, being a promotion in the Chicagoland area. So, uh, That's crazy. Could you go, yeah, could you go ahead and kind of uh, reminisce about your time with AAW? Sure. Um, when I started there, Tony Scarpone was basically the owner, I believe. Uh, and he was kind of like the booker and did, did, uh, he was running the show. He brought me in. Um, and I was one of the first guys that worked nationally, uh, that they brought in for the most part, they were just all local guys. So me coming in, I was, I was the first, I guess, national guy. Uh, and then from there, they kind of expanded and, and, you know, the talent roster then it was what it was. It was, it was, a a, you know, small local wrestling group. You know Mm -hmm. what I mean? Uh, and then they started bringing in bigger names. And then some of the other guys just started getting better and better with Danny Daniels having his training camp. You know, you saw Tyler Black and Merrick Brave were there and they really grew there. You know, um, I had great matches. Uh, well, I had great matches with Tyler Black uh, or Seth Rollins, you know, yep. uh, and, and Merrick Brave. Uh, and I with IWA Mid-South, I used to wrestle them basically every weekend, you know. And then I had some feuds. Uh, uh, I, don't know, I didn't really have a feud with Tyler, but we had quite a few matches uh, at AEW as well. And those were, those were fun. But it was really interesting for me because I got to see the actual growth of the company. It went from a company that was a small-time local group to a company that was bringing in national names and names that maybe weren't national yet, but you saw the talent there and it was going to grow. Like there's a, um, uh, if you look on YouTube, I know there's a best of AAW from years back. It's like two hours long or something like that. But one of the matches on there is um, me versus Danny Daniels versus Silas Young versus uh, Tyler Black or Seth Rollins in a four way. So just looking at the talent in that ring in that match at the time, 
You know what I mean? You're like, wow, everybody from there went on to do some pretty great things. You know, Danny really ran the ran that company AW and, and took it to the next level. Silas was with you know ROH for so long. Mm-hmm. Um, obviously, Seth Rollins and Seth Rollins. You know what I mean? Uh, and then I guess there's me. <laughs> so. But that was, and I, I still like to watch that match because it, it uh, it's one of the few matches I really do. Well, one of the few matches I still have, uh, but it's also one of the matches I really enjoy because it was it was put together very well. I'll have to do some digging and check that out. That sounds like a terrific match. Yeah, it was it was fun. It gets a little squirrely at the end with some outside interference, but if you pay attention to the in ring, that's where it's at. And you've had a chance back when you were first starting out, in the first few years of your career. CM Punk, Colt Cabana, uh, Tyler Black, Jimmy Jacobs was another guy you wrestled that I actually just saw wrestle at Zillow Pro a few weeks ago. Yeah. Jay Bradley, Ryan Boz, that's a Chicago name. Danny Daniels, oh, who you mentioned earlier. Uh, even uh, Chris Nowinski, who we wrestled as Chris Harvard for MWA back in the day. So yep. you've had a, an extensive history with a lot of guys that have kind of made their names for themselves in one way or the other in this business. Yeah. I've been very lucky. Um, Nowinski was great. Uh, he, you know, he played the heel on, on, on Tough Enough, and everybody hated him. You know, I actually, I wrestled Josh Matthews as well, actually. Okay. Um, uh, and honestly, I mean, Josh was a nice guy. I got along with him very well. But in real life, I saw Nowinski as more of the baby face and Josh as the heel. <laughs> Nowinski was great with me. We had a similar look and a similar build at the time. So we were actually backstage joking around because our tights were almost the same color. And we would like switch places and pretend to be the other person just as a stupid joke, you know, but it was really cool that I met, just met this guy and we were kind of goofing around. I actually got to meet him or see him again a few years later. Uh, we kept in touch over phone for a, a while too, but uh, I went to see the legacy concussion foundation that Nowinski started. Mm-hmm. Uh, they actually held uh, a dinner uh, downtown Chicago a few years back and they honored uh, uh, Jim McMahon from the Chicago 85 Chicago Bears. Oh, wow. Yeah. Um, and I was invited to that and I got to see him again. Uh, and that was really cool to see him in a different setting. And, and, and it, was, it was cool to see all the, the football players because a lot of the 85 Bears were there. There's a lot of athletes there. Um, it was kind of funny because no one knew who I was, but they saw my build. So I was getting the bro nod, like these football players are walking by me and doing like that. But I'm like, you have no clue who I am. <laughs> <laughs> like, but they were like, all right, he's, he's not a normal guy because at the time I was still bigger. You know, I'm, I'm trimmed down now, but um jimmy jacobs and i wrestled a lot we were pretty tight for a while there ryan boz geez i i wrestled ryan boz probably almost more than anybody else in the world i mean it was to the point where we'd get to a show and he would just look at me and go do you want to do what we did last week in valpo and i go okay and that was the extent of talking our match out we just had it down and i had a lot of fun with those guys because there was so much trust there that we could really let loose and do what we wanted to do because we knew that we had the trust of the other person and that even if we slipped up and one of us, you know, got stiffed a little bit and trust me, fighting Ryan Boz, you're getting stiff. Uh, There's no malice behind it. You know what I mean? It's just two guys going out there and doing what they do and trying to put on a hell of a show for the fans. Yeah. Now you even had a chance to do a little bit of work for WWE, including a match where not a lot of people knew who you were because they just threw you out there. There was no intro or anything already in the ring. You fought Chris masters the day after WrestleMania 22 went down in about 40 seconds to the master lock. And then I had to look this up. I'm like, Eric priest, like, wait a minute. I went back and watched the show on the network. Didn't even mention your name. 
you know, just, you were just in there as, as fodder, but what was it like to do a little bit of work with them? Uh, I actually worked with them a lot. I did a lot more work uh, as like a security guard. Like I've been beaten up by Stone Cold many, many times. Um, you know, I've, I've done a lot of backstage skits for them as, a, as, as I've been a delivery guy. I've been, you know, security. I've been police. Um, it's incredibly intimidating to be back there. It's like, uh, uh, I mean, you get there at noon and the show doesn't even start till eight o'clock at night. Yeah. You're there a long time. And it is a basically a, a 10 to 12 hour job interview. You know what I mean? Everyone's watching you. What's he doing? Is he being too friendly? Oh, he's too comfortable. Oh, he's being too quiet. Oh, he thinks he's better than us. I mean, you're just walking on eggshells the whole damn time. But I made some good friends there, like Paul London. I was really, uh, got pretty tight with Paul London uh, for a while. So he was someone I would always seek out. Uh, Mark Jindrak was always really cool to me. Um, a lot of the guys were cool. There was very few people that were standoffish. If, if they didn't want to talk to me, they wouldn't talk to me. No one was ever actually you know, like rude or mean to me backstage. But um, it is intimidating uh, uh, to an extent. But it's also very cool. And I remember that match. The night before, actually, I was on WrestleMania. And I, um, I was actually one of the druids that, that carried the casket out for Undertaker. Oh, for Mark um, Henry? Man. Yep. Yeah, yeah yep. I was there for that. Yeah. Try, uh, try pushing Mark Henry in a casket uphill on a mat in a coffin Ooh, yeah. doesn't work too well because they had that uh, and then, yeah yeah exactly because the ramp was raised yeah uh and then we came out later on it was me uh, i know it was me and punk and i think it was brad uh as well we were um we came out with cena for the main event we oh were, you were one of the guys yeah. with the tommy guns yep yep so technically i've made events at wrestlemania just saying Nice. But uh, so the next day we come to work the show and Cabana was there and I'd actually gotten uh, Chandler McClure, who was a student of mine, a very good one of my best friends was there and um, he got a match on heat. And I was really ticked off because I'd only done dark matches up to that point. And I'm like, he's getting a match that's going to be at least on the Internet. And Cabana looks at me, and goes, what are you talking about? He goes, you're on Raw. I go, what? He goes, look. And I look at the board. And I'm like, holy cow, I'm on Raw, you know. <laughs> And I really appreciate you saying my match was 40 seconds, Mike, but in actuality, it was 27 seconds. That's it. <laughs> uh, you want to know, you know, you were in there. So, yeah. But it was funny when I went out there, like, like Chandler, I'm going to say he was nervous going out there. He had never worked for them before. And there was the packed house. It was the night after WrestleMania. And I sat him down. I said, look, man, don't you be nervous out there. You go out there. This is what you work for. This is a, all the times we throw up in the ring train and all the bruises, all the all, all the bumps, everything is to do this. Go enjoy it. So when I got to the ring, because I went down there uh, during a commercial break and they just told me to stand in the corner. I literally just stood there and I just looked around and I soaked it in. I just soaked in and because I didn't know if I was going to ever have anything like that again. Um, and it's definitely the biggest crowd I've ever worked in front of. I loved it. And Masters was awesome with me. He was very, very cool. He actually, I don't want to say listen, but he was open to things I wanted to do because I wanted to make him look good. So there were things he wanted to try. And I was like, eh, I think it'll better if we do it. It'll go better if we do it this way. He was like, all right, cool. And it was great. So uh, I, I loved it. I wish it was a little bit longer. The thing that ticks me off the most about that match, though, is if you listen to Lawler saying no one knows what this kid's name is, he wasn't there long enough. I'd actually wrestled Jerry Lawler. He knew exactly who I was. I've hung out with Lawler several times. I'm like, come on, man. You could throw my name out there once. Yeah, Jerry's probably just doing his job. Yeah, I know. but it's, it's, I'm just kidding. But Yeah, Vince is probably in his ear. Uh, you just go ahead and say that about this bum. Yeah. <laughs> yep, exactly. 
<laughs> but I wrestled Lawler uh, years ago in New Mexico at Red Rock State Park um, in the main event. And Jimmy the Mouth of the South Heart was my manager. And all I remember is that Lawler didn't talk anything over with me. And I was green as green as grass at the time. And I just stood in the ring as Lawler comes to the ring. And I looked at uh, I looked at uh, Jimmy Hart and I said, I have no idea what the hell I'm doing here. And he goes, oh, baby, it's going to be all right, baby. Don't you worry about it. You know, and it was hysterical. And then through the match, like, I wish I could do the match again because I was so uncomfortable and nervous. I, I didn't have my flow going. You know what I mean? The match was fine, but it could have been a lot better had I been a little more comfortable. But um, uh, it was it was definitely uh, interesting. I actually got to meet you at SSW up in Kenosha a few years ago. Uh, Ryan. Okay, Wilson, yeah. You know? And in yeah. fact, you wrestled Marche Rocket on that show and won a championship that night. So. I did. What was uh, the experience like fighting a guy like Marche and then working for SSW? Well, I've worked for SSW before years back. Uh, Ryan Cross is a good buddy of mine. Um, and actually, my first match back this last run was against uh, his son. Jordan, uh, yes. I, I wrestled Jordan. Jordan, he, he said, you know, he, he said he wanted to wrestle me. So Ryan contacted me and said, hey, will you wrestle Jordan? I said, absolutely. If he, you know, I'm not wrestling now, but if he wants to work me, I'll come out of retirement to wrestle him because Jordan's a great kid uh got a great head on his shoulders and and uh just a pleasure pleasure to be around and Ryan's been nothing but great to me I've known Ryan since he first started uh when he was a trainee for Rock and Randy back in the day wow um so we go back a long way um yeah Marche was cool man you know I don't really know him all that well he's another Chicago guy but we just run in different circles you know what I mean uh so it was cool I wasn't expecting to win the belt there was no build-up for it I think Marche was a little taken back too because there was no build-up for it but it's kind of hard on those shows to do a build-up because they don't run consistently you know they're they're every few months or something um but oddly enough like I hadn't been back after that so I guess I guess I uh, relinquished the title <laughs> <laughs> yeah I don't know how that have happened he only, he's only had like three like maybe three shows since then too so yeah well i mean with everything that's going on with the pandemic and everything like that it's just difficult to get stuff going and uh the underwear model gimmick uh how long did you use that gimmick and how did it get started i basically use it from the beginning except for my two matches i did two matches for lwf but i think i wrestled like one match for the steel domain as just eric priest and they were they kept they kept trying to come up with the moniker, the name, you know? So I was with Danny Dominion one time at the Steel Domain. It was just me and him, and we were bumping around and, and working on some stuff. And we started coming up with names, and they kept trying to get me with Electric Eric Priest. You should be Electric Eric Priest. And I'm like, I don't even know what that means. You know what I mean? Like, well, I don't, I don't know how am I supposed to – it didn't, didn't jive with me. So we're trying to go up with these tough names, stuff like that, and finally – Danny just looks at me and he goes, dude, you're not tough looking. You should be like the 90210 boy or the underwear bot. And we started laughing and then we like looked at each other. And we're like, and I can wrestle in my underwear. Yeah. So that was it. So I went out and I got like some leopard print, silk leopard print uh, boxers. That was my first wrestling gear. And I got like a silk robe and I did the whole Rick Rude thing. Mm -hmm. And I'll tell you what, man, like you may not have remembered Eric Priest, but I had a lot of people coming up to me going, you're the underwear guy. You're the underwear guy. And that's what you want. You want someone to remember the gimmick, you know, someone to remember you. You know what I mean? If then I can remember Eric Priest, at least know that I wear my underwear. I wrestle my underwear. So um, I, I stuck with it, you know, like 
uh, it took me places just because it was, it was different. You know what I mean? It, it was a different gimmick and I had a lot of fun with it during a bit of my, my baby face run, uh, at AEW, I stopped using the underwear model name because it just didn't seem fitting as a baby face. Mm-hmm. Um, so I just went by the gold standard because, you know, I've got 20 different names I call myself when I come to the ring. So we just kind of chopped that one off for the time being. But if I'm going to be a heel, I'm going to be the underwear model. Now, will we see, I mean, we were talking about this before the show, but will we see Eric Priest in the ring again at some point if, you know, the situation is right? If the situation is right, I've always been somebody that, you know, I'm not, I'm not a, a work rate guy. I'm not the kind of guy you put in the ring, at least not now. Back in the day, I could work a lot a lot more, but I've never been the guy that's going to put on the five-star match. But I'm going to put on the match that the fans pay attention to. My stuff was clean. My stuff made sense. The psychology was there, usually. Um, but I like to tell a story in the ring. And that's what draws me is a story. So if, they can, if someone out there contacts me and says, hey, man, we got a storyline we think you'd be great for, I'd be open to listening to it. Now, does, does that mean I'll be bumping in the ring and wrestling? Most likely not. Maybe a little bit. I don't know. But uh, I've always loved just being on the microphone. I've loved telling stories, helping or helping someone that isn't good on the microphone. You know, they may they may be that person that can wrestle. You know what I mean? But they need that mouthpiece. So who knows? You know, time will tell. Right now, I got a lot going on in my life. So, you know, I'm trying to focus on that and, and, and get some things straight. But, you know, I do love the wrestling business and for all the bumps and bruises and for all the things that I've been through, when I start talking about it, man, I just smile and, and I just kind of get to a different level. You know what I mean? So I, I love it and um, never say never. It's wrestling, man. They always say if, if a wrestler's got a heartbeat, there's always a chance. Now, has there ever been, I'm, I'm going to go on a little bit of um a diversion here before I uh, get to the final question. Has there ever been any sort of weird locker room situation you've ever been involved in, in terms of like, okay, you're at this venue and the, the changing area is just like, you know, a sink or uh, it's just behind a curtain or whatever like that. Tell me some of the uh, grimy and gritty world of. Oh, geez. <laughs> well, I've wrestled at sand volleyball pits where there literally wasn't a locker room. You just kind of ran behind a car. Uh, and try to change your clothes. Um, and then the boys would have to look out because there were female fans there that were trying to run around and take peeks. Um, almost any venue you're at, you're usually in some kid's classroom and the chairs are about yay high. Um, <laughs> basically, the opening the opening to the movie The Wrestler, when you see him sitting in that chair and the, and the promoter comes in and stiffs him on pay, yep. like my jaw just dropped and I was like, that's perfect. That's exactly what happens. You're sitting in some little kid's chair and then being told you ain't going to get paid what you were told you're going to get paid. Um, I've been in, I've been in huge, lo- uh, uh, like big shows where the locker room is probably eight feet by 10 feet, you know, and you're all trying to be crammed in there. Um, shoot for the WWE. They have them changing closets sometimes because uh, sometimes they don't want you in with the, the other boys. You know what I mean? Um, trying to think of anything else has been really crazy. <sighs> nothing else too bad like that. I mean, for the most part, they take care of you, or at least they get curtains to curtain off for you, but it's never been luxurious. I can tell you that much. Yeah. Cause not every show is at a gym or a rec no. center that has like all those great facilities. No, usually we're in a lot of times you're in the storage room, you know, where they, it's where they keep the extra chairs and the extra tables and you just kind of find your, your place there. Um, 
So you make do, you know what I mean? Uh, it's not, we're not that picky. So. <laughs> yeah. That's a question I've always wanted to ask somebody. And I figure you would be one of the perfect people to ask. I, you know, like I, now I want to think about it because I'm sure there is, I'm sure I've got some crazy stories. I will tell you one story. The, the one locker room, this is the match where I wrestled uh, uh, Josh Matthews. Okay. It was at the Cubby Bear when it was out. There was a Cubby Bear out in Lincolnshire. Oh, okay. Uh, Illinois. It doesn't, I don't think it's there anymore. But like Road Dog was on the show. We had a bunch of names on the show. And um, the, uh, the promoter was a guy that, you know, you like to take care of the boys. So he had a nice big old table spread of uh, charcuterie and all kinds of food, meats, and all these things that are out there on a, on a, a banquet table. And uh, one of the wrestlers, Adrian Lynch, stood with his back to the table and can, uh, proceeded to spray himself with hot stuff, oh. which is a, a product you spray on. And it, 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 it's almost like a Vicks type of a thing where it kind of brings the blood up to the surface and makes you look tanner or redder than you actually are. But it tastes kind of like if you were to eat Vicks vapor rub. Oh. Um, and it got all over the food. So all of us went to go eat food and we're like, oh, so all the food is ruined because Lynch decided you got to put hot stuff on right in front of the food. So, jeez. Oh, <laughs> Some bad location right there for that, I guess. Yeah. <laughs> All right, Eric, we're going to probably wrap this up here, but I would like to give you the opportunity if there's any social media you want to plug, any merchandise you might have floating around somewhere, or if there's any other place you might end up showing up down at some point, even if it's just as a fan. You know what? I honestly don't know. I Social media, it like... I was retired when it really kind of took off. Mm -hmm. So besides my Facebook, that's about it. I probably have done myself a huge disservice by not promoting myself. Well, if you want to look at someone that's done a great job with that, obviously Colt Cabana has done it. The guy's got a multimedia empire going on. Um, so no, man, I don't need to, to plug myself or, or sell any of my things. I still got old merchandise, but it's in boxes. And uh, at this point, I just give it away to, to, to my friends and family and things like that when they come to the show. So the only thing I would say is um, go out to local shows, experience new shows, uh, talk to the wrestlers. If you can buy the merchandise, support your wrestler, your local wrestlers, because I can tell you what, these guys are putting their heart and soul in everything they do. They're beating up their bodies and they're not making millions doing it. They're doing it because it's something they love to do and they want to entertain the fans. So, you know what? Give them your time. Give them a chance. They're around a lot more frequently than the WWE. They're a lot more accessible than, than AEW and WWE. Um, you know, just support local indie wrestling is all I can say. All right. Underwear model Eric Priest, thank you so much for being a guest on Windy City Slam podcast. We really appreciate it. Thank you, Mike. Have a great one. A lot of fun talking to the underwear model, Eric Priest. A lot of great history there with him, with AAW, with Steel Domain, even in WWE, and the Lunatic Wrestling Federation as well. Next week, we're going to catch up with local and national wrestling. Preview a huge weekend in Chicago, including Freelance, CSW, AAW, and a lot more. Plus... It's been a long time coming. He's the father of freelance, the purple poppy, marvelous Matt Nix, joins us for the very first time as a guest right here on Windy City Slam Podcast.
So long, everybody.